This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Bruce Claggett in for Mike Smith. And yes, it is the 11 o'clock hour, and we did uh, have to make a little bit of a change in time for Baldry's Beat. There's a very good reason for it. It's the 50th anniversary of Hansard. What's Hansard? Well, that's the official record at the legislature, and it's the reason why we now have uh, Keith in now. But, Keith, this is really a big deal. Uh, tell us about this. Let's pull back the curtain for those that are unaware. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that until 1972, when the NDP government of Dave Barrett came in, there was no official record of the legislature, uh, of the transcripts of the proceedings. And Hansard is the name given to the uh, record of parliaments around the British Commonwealth. That's the family that originally had the original contract in the House of Commons in London. And so today was the 50th anniversary, a reception to mark uh, the founding of Hansard. So it's a nice uh, little ceremony to bring back a lot of the old timers and uh, again, just a reminder of how, you know, for years you couldn't see the legislature, you couldn't read about the legislature in terms of any official capacity because there was no record. But now there's there's a, a printed record, there's radio, and there's television. In fact, I led the news hour last night with Hansard Television, the account, uh, the, uh, the exchange in the legislature between the Liberals and the NDP on the issue of releasing chronic offenders uh, without any consequences. So Hansard has really evolved over the years and really does a great service uh, to democracy to actually show a record of what the elected politicians are doing. So that's where I was. Sorry, I couldn't thank Raldry's <laughs> beat at 10 o'clock. You know, I find it fascinating because uh, you do mention uh, this record, and there's so much of a record now, not just uh, the official record and Hansard and what has to be recorded, but uh, with all the other uh, media out there and changes in media. But let's go back in time. I, I, I'm really curious about this. What happened before... Uh, the Dave Barrett government, so going back uh, before the early 70s, when there was no Hansard, and I guess there was only uh, basically uh, the printed papers and a couple of radio stations. Yeah, and that's exactly what it was. So back then, and if you go to the legislature and you go to the library, and you'd have to get special permission to go there, they still have the old newspaper card catalog. And what would happen back in the day, newspapers were much bigger than they are now, uh, and there was much uh, articles about what's going on in the legislature written by members of the press gallery, far more than you see today. Well, today doesn't even compare. So back then, the Vancouver Sun, the province, the Times, and the colonists here in Victoria would have reporters who would be assigned, and they would actually transcribe what was going on in the legislature. Not everything, but they would they would do a story on the debate in the legislature. And there was no question period before 1972, so it was strictly debates. And those would be printed stories in newspapers. The librarians in the, in the legislature library would clip all the articles and paste them onto 
pieces of paper, and that would be available as sort of a card catalog. And that was the transcript of the legislature for decades. It wasn't an official transcript. It wasn't verbatim. It was just what reporters could recollect from what they were hearing on the floor uh, before there were microphones, before there was recording devices. It was strictly sort of uh, memory serves. And that was the official record. Until 1972, we finally got an automatic printed record, and it's evolved, as I say, over the years to radio, uh, live streaming on the web and uh, and television. And, I love and the that. printed record as well. You know, if you want the information, you have to work for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I remember when I started the Vancouver Sun here in the 80s, and we tried to pub, uh, report one story a day on a, a debate in the legislature. And that was the last year. I think the last year we did it was, well, 87 or 88. And that, since then, that's that's ceased to be a, a practice of newspapers, partly because newspapers, news holes have shrunk. There's just not enough space. But the I think the public interest in the debate outside a question period started to diminish as well. So if you, you go back in time, pull out a Vancouver Sun from the 1950s or 60s, you're going to see a lot of articles in there uh, when the House was sitting of uh, debates that were going on in the House that today don't even get paid any attention at all. Yeah, a whole different way of reporting uh, back then. Uh, that was then. This is now. And speaking of this being now, uh, let's talk about these six new proposed ridings, uh, some of them in the lower mainland and a couple of them uh, over on the island. What's going on here? Population growth? Yes, population growth entirely. So every after every second election, uh, an independent commission is struck to examine the electoral map of BC and make adjustments to account for the increase in population. So we haven't done it for about 10 years. Uh, so this is now reflective that our population has grown by more than 300,000 since then. And so the commission has looked at it and has recommended some ridings be created in areas where there's been high population growth. And this has consequences potentially for the outcome of the next provincial election because some certain parties are strong in some areas and not in other areas. So what they're proposing is another riding in Vancouver, in the central area of Vancouver, another riding in the central area of Surrey, another riding in Bur- Bur- that would encompass both Burnaby and New Westminster, one in Langley, the northern part of Langley, one in Langford over here, in the just outside the capital here, and one in Kelowna. So just on paper, this would favor uh, the NDP significantly over the Liberals. I think the Liberals can only count one safe seat here. And that Kelowna. would be, would yeah. be Kelowna. Uh, the NDP, though, would have to like the fact that another riding is going in Burnaby, New Westminster, and Langford. Those are almost slam-dunk NDP safe seats. And then Surrey Central and Vancouver Central, I would think, given the current demographics, that would tilt the NDP's way as well. And Langley, the demographics have been changing out there. The NDP took both Langley seats, which is unheard of a decade ago. If that's not a fluke, an addition of a third Langley seat would favor them as well. So these are proposals. The final report comes back in April after more consultation. It also The commission also, though, made recommendations that will alter the boundaries of 71 ridings and change the names of many of them. So uh, other MLAs are very curious of the impact this is going to have on their own riding. Even if your riding remains intact, if you lose, say, six poles, depending on where yep. they're in the riding, that can either strengthen your, your hold on the riding or weaken your hold on the riding. So it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting report in recommendations, and it certainly has all the MLAs buzzing about this over here because the addition of six new MLAs is the biggest addition we've seen ever in between uh, commissions. And the, 
big other outcome of this, Bruce, and a lot of people don't know this who have never been to the legislative chamber, if you look at it on TV, you can see it's really crowded in there. And the chamber's not getting any bigger. It's 124 years old. Uh, but the desks keep multiplying of MLAs. And the question now is, can you fit six more desks in there? And the thinking is, no, you can't. So one of the theory, one of the possibilities being looked at is taking all the desks out of the B.C. legislature and putting benches in, as they have in the House of Commons <laughs> in London. So it really ends up being a backbench. Yes, the backbenchers will become backbenchers in yeah. physical reality. Oh, I love that. Either that or you have to start inhaling and never exhaling and go on a diet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the desks have actually shrunk in size over time. They've been getting narrower and narrower, but I'm not sure you can fit six more bodies in there. Um. Now, one thing, and I'm going to throw this at you because I know it's uh, new. We Yesterday, we had talked about uh, even the Liberals taking a tougher stand in uh, holding the government to account for crime. Mm-hmm. Mike DeYoung has uh, now called out the government on chronic offenders. Quite the exchange, uh, and this really is picking up steam, isn't it? It is. Uh, yesterday's question period, I thought, uh, probably the Liberals' best question period since, uh, for some time, certainly since Kevin Falcon became leader. I think they realize they've got an issue here where the public is getting frustrated and concerned with this ongoing pattern of random violent attacks on strangers and with the offenders paying no consequences. And the Liberals, and even the government's own report that just uh, was released, cites the fact that there are a number of individuals out there who commit literally hundreds of offenses, yet serve no jail time. And now the Liberals yesterday on the, on the attack to the, on the NDP, um, demanding that Attorney General Murray Rankin exercise his powers under the Crown Counsel Act to issue what's called a specific directive to Crown Counsel to get them to change their tactics when it comes to holding people without bail or making it more onerous to get bail. And that was the what was one of the big exchanges yesterday. And we'll see where we go on that front, see where the government goes. But the Liberals simply realize they've got a pretty good issue here to run with. And I expect them to continue to run with it through the session. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Bruce Claggett in for Mike Smith this morning, talking with Keith Baldry and Baldry's Beat. And uh, a whole bunch of things that uh, are going to be on the government uh, slate for discussion in the coming weeks ahead. This is the first week of the new session. Uh, Keith Baldry, we do have uh, Jimmy in White Rock wanting to know about fish farms, of all things. Jimmy, what's your question? Uh, Hey, Keith. Hey, Jim. Hey, listen, uh, I'm born in 1973. I grew up in this province, you know, reading the papers and Salmon fishing used to be the backbone of this province. And it seems to just completely vanish in thin air that we don't talk about it a whole lot. And everybody knows the salmon stocks are declining. And um, it's a renewable resource that I just think doesn't get enough attention. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this year, the sport fishermen, we didn't get a, a sockeye opening until uh, September 4th, basically, when school, school started back up again. But I want to know what's going on with the fish farms in B.C., Okay, good question, Jim. Uh, let's pick up on that. Uh, is it even uh, on uh, the legislative uh, agenda? 
Yes and no. So it, Jimmy makes a good point. Fishing used to be a huge industry in BC, um, no question. I remember uh, having university roommates uh, who were fishermen and made a tremendous uh, living doing that. But this, this, as the salmon stocks have declined and other fish stocks have declined, the industry has declined as well. And just like forestry, forestry and fishing, you know, the, the backbone of BC is not no longer the case. A number of fish farms licenses are being phased out. They're not ending tomorrow, but they're ending a number of years from now. It depends on when they first got their their uh, fish farm license, particularly in the Broughton Archipelago at the north end of the island. Uh, but there's right now no legislation that I'm aware of that's going to be dealing with fish farms. Fish farms, again, aquaculture is largely a federal issue. It's not a provincial issue. Fisheries is under the you know, British North America Act. Fisheries is the jurisdiction of the federal government, not the provincial one. It's interesting, and thanks for the call, Jimmy. Um, I seem to remember as a kid when I visited the legislature, there was a mural showing all the industries, the four main industries in the province. Exactly. There's agriculture, mining, fishing, and forestry. And they're in the the upper rotunda. I show them when I give tours to people. Um, And they date from 1933, I believe. Those are the four dominant industries at that time of BC's history, agriculture, fishing, farming, and mining. That is no longer the case. If we were to do that mural today, what do you think the four would be, Keith? Well, I think you'd put uh, the the tourism in there. Um, Potentially, forestry is still big, no question. Uh, Agriculture still is a big one. Fishing is no longer there. I'd put uh, perhaps high-tech in there. And uh, also the public sector. You know, you have to realize the public sector is part of the economy. Healthcare is part of the economy in a way that it wasn't back in the 1930s. There's so many, there's 135,000 people employed in healthcare around the province. It's a huge economic generator. Ah, oh, interesting. I don't know if that's a uh, route that uh, they would ever want to go to uh, recognize a public sector, but uh, yeah, uh, in terms of employment, boy, it just would have to be up there. Um, you know, uh, Keith, uh, one thing that I want to ask you about is a civic election. Yeah, getting back to the civic elections, uh, the story out of Surrey that happened on Monday night at Surrey Council, where they tried to uh, bring in uh, about 40 different development or land use uh, um, mm-hmm. bylaws and have them all passed uh, at that one council meeting. Uh Linda Annis, councillor, said this is extremely unusual. Uh, in your experience uh, with elections and even civic elections, is it unusual to uh, have councils do this? I think it's highly unusual. That's, I think it was 52 developments pushed through. And development is always, you know, fraught with peril in terms of scandal or impropriety. And also when you're talking about establishing a rapid transit line like SkyTrain and then suddenly approving a bunch of de- developments that go with that, I think a lot of eyebrows can be raised here at the propriety of doing something like that and whether or not, you know, there's some impropriety that goes along with some of this. We saw some allegations in the old SkyTrain Expo line of improper land purchases with people with advanced knowledge of stations and that type of thing. So this is the beginning of a story in Surrey that's not going to end with just the civic election. I think this thing has legs that goes beyond the election. It'd be interesting to see and uh, certainly a uh, an odd move mm-hmm. uh, when you had 52 of those turn up on one agenda. Uh, before we let you go, Keith, um, you may not be aware of this. Maybe you are. It's uh, Canadian Beer Day. 
And on Canadian Beer Day, we'd like to ask you, first of all, I have no idea, are you a beer drinker? Yes or no? Yeah, yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so what is your favorite Canadian beer? So one of the things I have to tell you, in the, in the BC Press Gallery for years, we had an old-fashioned Coke machine. Remember those big red machines? Oh, sure do. It would dispense ice-cold kokanee and other brands for a loony. And for some reason, no one knows why, that Coke machine has disappeared. So that's my chief beer complaint. In terms of favorite beer, I'm not a big craft beer guy, but I do like, I'm a lager guy more than an ale, and I like Island Lager is my beer of choice. Nice, nice. And uh, like you, I'm not a big uh, beer, well, I'm not a big beer guy at all, uh, <laughs> except on a very hot day. Hot day after cutting the lawn. That's right. <laughs> and it's whatever beer is in hand and preferably cool. It's very cold. Exactly. Absolutely. You got it, Keith. Keith okay. Baldry, Global News Legislative Bureau Chief. Thanks so much for joining us. Take care.